Take your Bibles, please, and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1, please. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Happy Father's Day. We are so glad that you're here. I don't know if your Father's Day is like this one. But sometimes that describes dads, doesn't it? Trying to be all things to all people and trying to make everybody happy. Dads, just remember, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Thought I might get some amens on that. But we are glad that you're here today. And we just want to very quickly honor you on your special day. So if you're a dad, would you stand, please, and and be recognized? Let's give these guys a round of applause. Please remain standing because we want to have a word of prayer for you and just ask God to to use you wherever you are in your dadship. I'm not sure that's a word. But wherever you are in your parenting responsibility with your kids and grandkids and great-grandkids and anybody here have great-great-great-grandkids? We're glad that you're here. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this day that we can recognize dads and that we can understand something about the responsibility that dads have and the legacy that they leave. We thank you, Father, that no matter what our earthly situation is, we know that you are a father, a dad that we can depend upon, and you are one, Father, that we can trust. And you're one that we can commit our way unto and know that you'll meet all of the needs that we have in our lives. So we thank you for that. But we thank you for these guys this morning. And Father, this morning as we we think about lessons that we perhaps have learned from Dad. Lessons that Timothy learned from his spiritual dad. We pray that you would just work in our hearts. That you would challenge us. And that you would help us to leave the the legacy, to pass it on as dads for your honor and your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. I've used the word legacy a couple of times this morning. Used it in the prayer. And I have been thinking a lot about this word because it reminds us that there is something that we have to pass on. An opportunity that we have to leave something behind us, something that perhaps is bigger than ourselves. I am so thankful that I still have a dad. My dad just turned 88 years of age, May 31st. And my dad met my mom when they were just youngsters at Bob Jones University My dad will give us a testimony here in a minute, and he will tell you that he had planned to go to Bible College in Los Angeles, and a friend of his challenged him about going to Bob Jones, and it's there where he met the love of his life, my mom. And after a while, they started to add to their family. Christmas time, that's me. But you must understand that when I began my life, I began my life in California, and so I was a beach kind of guy. That's me, too. 
And then God blessed and God added to our family. And this picture was taken in 1975. Uh, there I am on your left in the back, and my youngest brother is in the middle, and my brother Terry on the outside. Uh, my sister Tanya in the yellow, and the new addition to our family was Connie. She's in the blue in this, this picture. And we were ministering at Grace Baptist Church. They had a, a reunion, and that's where my dad pastored, and that's where we all grew up, and so we were back, and dad preached, and I preached, and my brother preached, and Connie had to listen. Been happening ever since. But legacy, legacy, the, the leaving on, the, the carrying on, the, the recognizing that there is something that is significant in our lives that, that we need to share together. Now here in 2 Timothy, Paul is writing his last letter. In fact, at the end of 2 Timothy, in chapter 4, Paul says that the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And Paul, writing to to Timothy, wants to remind Timothy of that which has taken place in his life. And in 2 Peter chapter 2, Paul says these words, Timothy, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who may be able to teach others. That's legacy. Passing it on. Recognizing that there is truth that needs to, to be shared. Now, I've often wondered what Timothy thought as he received this letter from his spiritual dad. Now, Paul first met Timothy when he was in Philippi. In fact, you can go to Acts chapter 16, and we won't go there. And Paul was making a trip through Derby, and that's where Timothy was, and then he went on to Philippi, and that's where the the jail experience is. He and he and Silas were in the jail singing praises at midnight, and, and we know that that's why Paul wasn't a Baptist preacher, because any good Baptist preacher in jail at midnight would have been complaining that the congregation wasn't praying good enough for him. That's supposed to be a joke. That didn't work very well, did it? But, you, you know, there, there are times at the end of these messages, I, I, I well, why did you say that? But now, Timothy, after ministering with Paul, Timothy pastoring in Ephesus, Timothy being challenged by Paul to be faithful in the ministry, to to be an example to the believers, all of that is in 1 Timothy. Now he gets a letter from his spiritual dad and says, boy, I'm about ready to go home. I don't know if I'll see you again. These are the last words, Timothy, that I want to give to you. I wonder what Timothy's thought process was. I wonder if he was thinking about lessons that Paul had given to him. And this morning, I I want to share with you four lessons that Timothy received from from Paul and, and lessons that I have received from my Lessons that help with the legacy to carry it on. The first lesson that Timothy received from from Paul was a lesson about salvation. Are you in 2 Timothy chapter 1? Look with me beginning with verse 1 please. And I'm going to read 1 and 2 and then I'm going to jump down to verse 8. All right. 
Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child. Now, Timothy was not Paul's physical child. Timothy was Paul's child in the faith. And Paul had had a great influence in Timothy's life and helping him understand what the faith was all about. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Jump down to verse 8. Therefore, Timothy, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us. And called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace that he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. And which now has been manifest through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For which I am an appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me, and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Paul begins, Timothy my dear child, my dear beloved child, my child in the faith. And then in verse 8, he talks about the gospel. In verse 9, he talks about how he was saved and been called to a holy calling, not because of works, but because of his own purpose and grace, God's own purpose and grace. You know, Timothy wrote to the believers at Ephesus, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Do you remember the day that you trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior? Do you remember that day? That day in my dad's life came when he was seven. Now, my dad was born in 1928. And you know what happened in the 1930s, right? The Depression in the United States. My dad's dad died in 1930, leaving his mom and two children, my dad and his older sister. But in the midst of all of that, my dad learned what it was to trust Christ as personal Savior and to be saved. I I want you to hear his testimony. Now, in talking with my dad last week as we worked our way through this, he said, Tom, I'm sorry I wasn't having a good day. Well, it's worth it. So listen listen to Dad's testimony, will you please? I was raised in a one-parent home because my father passed away when I was only two years old. And that left my then seven-year-old sister, myself, and my mother to fend for ourselves. This was the beginning of the Great Depression days. So it was really difficult for my mother at that time to raise two children without a father. But there was one thing that my mother always saw to it for her children is that we were taught God's word, that we were in Sunday school and church, 
and that we attended all the other services which were in the local church where we lived. So although I didn't accept Christ really until I was seven years old, my mother saw to it that we were always exposed to the Bible preaching of the church and the Sunday school lessons which we had. The salvation which I experienced was about seven years old. Our church, a small church in a small town, had only basement for facilities, and on a hot Oklahoma summer, uh, the church was going to have what was then called a Brush Arbor meeting. So the men of the church built an arbor out behind the church, covered it, took all the benches from the basement, set it up outside, made a platform, and our guest speaker came for two weeks of preaching and ministry. It was during this time that I had an opportunity to hear the gospel in a special way. My mother always sang in the choir, and she was on the platform. My sister was with her most of the time, so that left me just to sort of roam around and find a place to stay still during the message. But one night, God spoke to my heart in a special way. I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that I needed to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I understand that stood that he had died for my sins and that I needed to have him into my heart. And so I left the place that I had been sitting and somewhat listening to walk to the front of the, the meeting place and up onto the platform where my mother was. And I said, Mother... Tonight, I would like to let Jesus come into my heart. And she said to me, well, go tell the preacher and let him talk with you a little bit. And so that is the time, that was the circumstances in which I was saved. And, and, it, and it was mother. When I was growing up, it was my grandmother, rather formal. I had a grandma and a grandmother. But my dad trusted Jesus Christ, his personal Savior, and pass that down to us. You know, that's so critical if we're going to work on our legacy. It's not who we are. It's not what we do. It's not how we live. It's not whether or not we have musical or athletic or any other kind of ability and talent. The foundation for our legacy is knowing Jesus Christ, his personal Savior. That's why I asked, do you remember the time you were saved? What does it take to be saved? Well, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. And that means that each one of us stands in the same position before God. It's not how good we are. It's how good we're not. And we're not good enough. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You remember that lie to Adam and Eve that Satan had back in the garden. Go ahead and eat. You'll not die. But the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But there is a contrast with wages and death, and that is gift. And the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Jesus Christ went to the cross and shed his precious blood in payment for your sin and for mine. Amen? And the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now the question is, have you done that in your life? 
My dad did that when he was seven. Timothy, Paul's son in the faith, did that in Derby. And we skipped the, the verses where it talks about the faith that was in his mother and his grandmother. Legacy. It is so important that we pass on the fact that Jesus Christ died for our sins and that everyone needs to have a personal relationship with him. And you get that by calling upon the name of the Lord and being saved. Now, this morning, if you don't understand that and that's confusing to you, would you please see me following the service so that I can share with you what my dad experienced at seven? And did you notice my dad experienced that without a dad? His upbringing was less than ideal. In fact, he didn't even live with his mom most of the time. He lived with an uncle. That's the way they did it in those days. Family somewhere along the line took care of you. The lesson of salvation. There's also a lesson of sacrifice. Are you still in 2 Timothy chapter 1? The last part of verse 8 says, Timothy was to share in the suffering of the gospel by the power of God. Verse 12, which I suffer as a preacher and apostle, verse 11, a teacher, but I'm not ashamed. My dad taught me something about following the Lord. Paul was in prison when he wrote this. He was at the end of his life. He did not know what days he had of of himself but he was willing to suffer for the gospel's sake suffer persecution if need be growing up I recognized that uh, there was something to being committed to following Christ it was a lifestyle and my dad taught me it was an either all or nothing kind of deal I was either in or I wasn't there's no such thing as being kind of pregnant right and there should be no such thing as being kind of a Christian we are all full-time Christians we either are or we're not and it's not, I'm a Christian, but I still. I'm either a follower of Jesus or I'm not. I'm either one who walks in his steps or I don't. I'm either committed to his word or I'm not. And Paul here talks about, yeah, if you're going to be committed, you might suffer for the gospel's sake. There might be some persecution, but I like what he says in the last part of verse 12, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted unto me. Amen. Isn't that great? It's worth it, folks. I love that song. It will be worth it all, right? When we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face 
all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. Amen? My dad talks a little bit about being faithful, about suffering. Brenda? During the years of our ministry, my wife and I were led to three different congregations where we served the Lord faithfully. During these years, I found much joy in just being with the people and being a leader of a flock for the Lord Jesus Christ, of, being, of having the privilege of just being his servant, of serving people, of doing his work and his ministry. It never did seem to be a difficulty in our house to have a pastor for a husband or for a father, although I recognize that I was gone a lot more than many fathers might have been at that particular time. But we, in our ministry, always enjoyed working with the people, uh, leading them into uh, the Christian ministry, seeing young people saved and going onto the mission field and finding an opportunity which we believe God would use us in, in that particular place that he had planted us for a time. Following uh, almost 20 years of pastoral ministry, God called us to be a part of an educational program at Faith Baptist Bible College in Ankeny. And so there we had a chance to work with young people again and continue the ministry of meeting with and being with people. There were other challenges which the Lord gave to us and opportunities of service after Faith Baptist Bible College. But our last ministry was back at our last church where I was called to help the people who were having difficulty at that time locating a pastor uh, to be sort of an interim until they could locate uh, another pastor. At that particular church, we found that the Lord uh, led us to help the church be united again, uh, help them with a number of the physical issues which uh, had become, uh, which were needs that, uh, in the church. Uh, we found that it was a, a good time for us to practice many of the things which we had seen at other ministries, but God gave us a, a good ministry there. Probably the most difficult of our ministries was the last one, and it was from there that I retired. Sacrifice. You notice that uh, Dad said it didn't seem to be a particular problem that he was a pastor and wasn't home as much as some other parents were. He didn't ask me. But that was part of the sacrifice. I mean, that's part, part of the ministry. There have been times when we have been sitting at a dinner table with our kids, and I'd get a phone call, and I would have to go and minister to people, and kids would be crying. Remember that one, Connie? Connie would be crying. When they're crying, I'm crying. And I'd walk out the door. And Connie would say to the kids, there's somebody that needs your dad more right now than we do. That was a sacrifice. Suffering, persecution. But the reality is, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. This is King James of, of, of verse 12. 
know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I think I turned out all right. My parents would say that I did. My three siblings we're not sure about yet. Part of it. And Paul wrote to Timothy, Timothy, there's going to be some times of sacrifice in your life. But not only is there sacrifice, there's also setting an example. My dad set for me an example of hard work. Dad pastored little churches. He identified them for you. Little churches that many times did not remunerate him as much as he needed. Dad worked on the side a lot of times. He taught school. Connie's brother had him for a high school English teacher. I never had him for high school English. I had him for college English and speech. Connie and I had my mom for high school history. I still owe my mom a project. That was one of the small perks. <laughs> but he taught school. He owned a printing business for a while. He did odd jobs. It was all setting an example for, for me so that I would understand what it, what it really was. Look with me at verse 13. Follow the pattern. Now, what was the pattern? If you were to go to Philippians chapter 4, Paul would say, the things that you have seen and heard in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says, Timothy, you be a pattern. You be an example. You, you, you set yourself up for the believers in word and conversation, in love and faith and in purity. Timothy, people are looking at you. Leave a legacy, Timothy. Understand that in your life, people are looking at, at you. Don't be ashamed of me, Timothy, because there is an example that you need to, to set. That example was seen in our home in a, in a number of different ways. Brenda? Places that we lived, we always went to church. Many of the places that we went were constantly reminding those who were in the congregation that Jesus had a claim on their lives and that they really needed to let him have his way in their lives after they'd accepted him as personal Savior. Many of the songs which we sang during those days also gave a challenge to our hearts. Not only let Jesus come into your heart, but also follow Jesus wherever he would lead you. One of the song choruses reminded us regularly, or challenged us regularly, to be followers of our Lord Jesus Christ, where, wherever he would lead us, whatever he would do. So that teaching was always in the back of my mind. And it wasn't hard for me when an invitation was given to let the people of the congregation know that I wanted Jesus to have control of my life and to be the Lord of my life, and I wanted to follow him and be obedient to him in 
anything he would have me do, any place he would have me go, uh, whatever direction that he would lead in my life. So from the time that I was a teenager through my junior high years and senior high years, I always had in the back of my mind that whatever God wanted me to do, I wanted to be that for him. That's an example, isn't it? Pretty good example. Whatever God has, that's what I want. My dad also taught me about sound words. It's there in verse 13, follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. I told you my dad was an English teacher. He was always correcting my speech. I learned the difference between I and me. And it would just grate on me when he would correct me because I knew better. And then he started correcting Connie. That's my dad. But sound words, have you thought about sound words? Have you thought about the things that you're leaving in the minds of people as you communicate? You know, we live in a society in which we don't think all that much about how our words affect other people. All you got to do is read Facebook. I just wonder, how in the world do people put that stuff on there? Aren't they thinking how it's going to affect somebody else? And yet we're called to be salt and light, right? Our mission statement is that we are to be authentic and relevant. And it has to do with sound words. Paul wrote to Titus, Show yourselves in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and here it is, sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame. I remember some of the words my dad said. One of his favorite sayings was, I'll see you here, there, or in the air. Sound words. And you know that's exactly what my dad's looking for right now. That in the air stuff. And those are sound words. But throughout our life, from the beginning of our marriage until this very day, my wife and I found God being sufficient in all things. We thank him for the children that we have and the way that he led and guided them and the guidance that they have had. We thank him for the people we have met in different places in the United States. But we thank him most of all for his keeping power, his sustaining us into this age in our lives. And even more than that, we look forward to the time when the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and he will come to receive us unto himself. When my dad was ordained, one of those who was examining him said to him, Young man, as you go into the ministry, there will be ups and downs. 
But just remember, at some point there will be one last up and no more downs. Glory. That's pretty good stuff. In a couple of weeks, my family is going to gather in Indianapolis to celebrate my mom's 90th birthday. My mom won't turn 90 until the first part of August. But we decided we'd better do this at this point because she may not make it. She may not. Kids are going to be there. Grandkids are going to be there. Great-grandkids are going to be there. going to be a great time together for a couple of days. And we'll talk about legacy. And my brother and I have talked about giving my dad an opportunity to just share with us. And we will, and he will. And I'm sure that as we listen, I'll be thinking about lessons that he's taught me. Things to carry through in my life that I should teach other faithful men who will be able to do it also. Because the reality is, in Philippians chapter 1, and you've seen this verse before, we're going to keep working on it. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? Well, he's not done with us yet. Because we still have some things to pass on. Wherever you are in your life, you have something worth passing on. Because God's not done with you yet. And I don't know what you struggle with, and I don't know what you can do now that you couldn't do before, or what you can't do now that you couldn't do before. But I know this. God's not done with you because he still will complete the work that he has for you. And that's passing on the legacy. And what is that legacy? It starts with salvation. There is sacrifice that will take place. We need to set ourselves an example to others by our sound words. That's exactly what Paul did. And I don't know what Timothy thought. I don't know if Timothy could have written back to Paul what he just said to him. We don't have that. But what we do have is Paul says, Timothy, I'm about to go home and I want you to know this before I go. Because I'm your spiritual dad. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time that we've been able to share together. And Father, I just pray that you would help us to recognize that each of us has a responsibility to, to pass it on. To keep the faith complete the course, to run the race, and to make a difference in people's lives. Keep us focused, Lord. Help us not to let our emotions, our limitations, our struggles, our excuses, whatever it is, help us, Lord, to 
recognize that what you have before us is to run the race and to be the kind of people that you want us to be. And we pray these things in Jesus' name.